0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good Good morning. Man, I am so happy to see you guys today as we head towards Easter next week. It's going to be a great time next week, but listen... We didn't, we didn't hold it all till then. We got some good stuff today. So just get ready. Get ready. If you're brand new with us today, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I'm going to guide us for the next 35 minutes or so as we continue to engage with God. And I just want to lay something out from the very foundation that you may or may not agree with at this point in your journey, and that's okay because we believe it to our core. And here it is. We believe there is a God who loves you, who loves you with such a great love that he gave everything for us to partner with us, to, to share life with us. And we believe God is, he's not like a, a distant father. He's more like a, a perfect, powerful, loving, present Heavenly Father who wants to walk with you through this life. And I know for some of us, if we believe in God, we see Him like this thing over there. God's, God's not so much a thing over there as He is a very real present part of our lives. And I believe God wants to meet you today. He wants to speak to you today. God wants to lead you today. And I want to give us some tools to kind of help us on that journey. So when you came in, you should have received a program that looks just like this. And inside that program, there are just a few things that will help you connect with God today. The first is this card that says start here. It's our connection card. It's just a simple way for us to connect with you, for you to connect with us and the things we're doing in the city and around the world. Ultimately, when the time comes that you want to take a next step in your faith, boy, we want to be the church that helps you do that. And so this card just helps us stay connected to you. We want to use your information. We just want to be ready uh, for you and available to you. So if you put your name, and if you're new with us today, your email address on this card, you can just hold on to it. You don't have to do anything with it right now. But if I've earned your trust over the next 35 minutes or so, I'm going to ask you to drop this in a basket when it's passed a little bit later. So go ahead and get that card ready. The other thing are your teaching notes. They'll give you all the Bible verses that we're using today. They'll give you some space to fill in the blanks, um, some place to write your own notes, your own thoughts. And then if you're in a life group, they've got your life group questions on the back. So you can keep digging into this. Actually, whether you're in a group or not, these are just some questions to help you dig in throughout the week and keep growing and building on the things that we're exploring today. As you get your card ready, as you get your notes out, I want to ask you, if you're like me, have you ever forgotten something? Like Like a big something? I'm not talking like, where'd your keys go for five minutes? I'm talking like, have you ever forgotten you remembered, you remembered that the paper was due when you got the syllabus two months before, but that date came and everyone else was walking in and putting papers down on the table, and you got that sinking feeling in your stomach because you forgot the paper was due that day. I'm talking about that kind of forgot something. Have you ever forgotten your anniversary date? Hopefully that's something you only forget once, okay? Just a tip. That's just a freebie. We're not even talking relationships, but trust me, you can get out of jail card free once, but not like 10 times. So Have you ever forgotten a birthday? Maybe for some reason you weren't on Facebook that day. You didn't get your reminder and you missed your mom's birthday. It's like, oh, that's tough. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you thought something brilliant, a new invention, that you solved the problem your team had been working on at work for the last three weeks and you thought to yourself, that's it, that's the answer, the light bulbs went off. And you thought to yourself, I'm never going to forget that. And then you go back to sleep, you wake up the next morning, It's gone. You ever had one of those moments? One of my one of my favorite forget stories has to do with my wife, and I've I've told this story before. I asked her, and she kind of, sort of told me I could say it again, so I'm just going to go for it because she is a kind and gracious woman. So, Maria, when the day after she had delivered our first child, Maddie, about six and a half years ago, we were in the hospital, and the nurse came in with the uh, birth certificate. And she was getting pertinent information, and she said, Mrs. Finkbeiner, when is your husband's birthday? And my birthday is February the 24th, and Maria had this blank stare on her face like, I I got nothing. And she looked over to me, and, and I grabbed my coffee, and I sat down. I just smiled. And she said, February the 14th? She looked at me. I said, well, honey, that's a common misconception, because February 14th is, of course, Valentine's Day, a day of love, and you love me very deeply. So I could see why you would get that mixed up. But no, it's not February the 14th. And she said, February the, the 18th? And I said, no. And then, and then she gave me this look, which communicated, I just gave birth to your child. Help. To which I just smiled. She said, February the 21st. I said, no, no, it's not that. And I'm thinking to myself, this is fantastic because every date she gets wrong, it just buys me space when I mess things up later. And finally, the nurse looks at me and the nurse is like, she just gave birth to your child. I'm just smiling. Finally, she says, February the 24th. And I said, you nailed it, honey. You got it. Four times a charm. But she forgot. And it's not because she's a a bad person or a mean woman or a, a, a neglective wife. My wife is incredible. The reason why she forgot is because she was a little preoccupied with some other things in that moment. And isn't that why we forget things all the time? It's not that we're bad people. It's not that we're neglectful. It's just that, hey, listen, we got life. And life is busy. And life gets going. And there's school. And there's work. And there's kids. And there's marriage. And there's, there's friends. And there's Facebook. And there's Etsy. And there's vacation. And, and there's so much going on that sometimes things just slip off the radar. And and if you're brand new with us today, we're wrapping up a seven-week series that we're calling Greater Than, and it's been a really, really powerful time. Every week for the last seven weeks, we've been digging into what it looks like to have a prayer adventure with God, because we believe, like I said earlier, that God is this great, powerful, loving, perfect, heavenly Father who is greater than we could ever imagine, and who wants to do in our lives and through our lives greater things than we could ever do on our own. And one of the key ways to engage with God on this adventure is through prayer, by partnering with God in prayer. So each week we've been digging into what it looks like to partner with God in prayer. And then in life groups every week, we've been talking midweek about what it looks like to take this personal prayer journey. And Close to 500 of us have been on this fasting and prayer journey where we said we're going to abstain from one thing for 40 days, and then we're going to pray for a personal thing and for a church dream. We have our church dreams up on the wall. And these are 500 commitment cards on either side of me of the thing we're fasting from and the things that we're fasting and praying for. And that has, has kept this prayer focus right on the forefront. But the series is wrapping up today, and our fast ends on Saturday. And one of the things that I want for you and for me more than anything is I want us to remember the things that we're engaging with. But one of our tendencies, just as people, not because we're bad, but just because we're human beings, is that life gets busy, we go on and we tend to forget. And boy, I don't want us to forget the things that we've, we've experienced as we've encountered God on this prayer journey for the last seven weeks. Because one of the greatest opportunities that you and I have is to, to partner with God, the God of the universe, who's bigger and more powerful and more loving than we could ever imagine, to partner with him and engage with him in prayer. It's one of the best opportunities we have. We're told over and over again in the pages of the Bible that we're like kids coming before our dad. And we can ask our dad for anything. And our dad responds to us because he knows the best thing, but he always hears us, he always listens to us, and he always responds in a way that's, that's best for us. And one of the opportunities that we have is to is to invite God. Say, God, would you intervene on my behalf? Would you intervene on, on behalf of my family, of our city, of our world? Would you intervene on behalf of, of our work, of our company, of our marriage, and to have God respond to us? But one of the easiest things to forget, even though it's one of the most powerful, one of the easiest things to forget, especially if you're like me, if you're kind of a type A, driven, go on to the next thing, focus for about five minutes, and then move on to the next if you're that kind of a person, one of the easiest things to forget is, is prayer. Because prayer is this intangible thing for many of us. And life has so many things being thrown at us. And what I don't want is I don't want— in a week or two weeks or three weeks for us to look back on this fast and say, well, that was a really interesting thing. We, we, we abstained from Facebook. We, we, we didn't uh, eat dessert, or maybe we didn't listen to radio on the way to work so we could pray. That was a real interesting thing to fast for 40 days. Woo! I made it through. Back to Facebook, back to ice cream. Woohoo! You know, but, but miss out on the fact that we were actually encountering God in that time and have it just be kind of this distant memory. So what I thought I'd do today is, is I thought that we would take the entire day And just explore what it would look like not to forget what it would look like to not make this series a flash in the pan that was this fun thing with some fun jokes and some interesting stories, but actually make this a routine, a rhythm that that pervades our life so we can keep engaging with God and keep encountering Him and keep experiencing Him doing great things in us and through us. And in order to do that, I want to check back in with a nation of people that we've been following for the last, I don't know, five weeks or so. They're called the Nation of Israel. And if you're brand new with us or maybe you missed a few weeks, you've been on vacation, spring break, the Nation of Israel is this huge, Huge gathering of people, about two million people, and their story started out for us when they were in slavery under Egyptian leadership for 400 years. And then a guy named Moses, uh, God used him to bring them out of slavery. They went into this wilderness area where they traveled for 40 years— And then they got right up to the edge of this river called the Jordan River. And we talked a few weeks ago about how the Jordan River was at flood stage when they showed up. And it was about a mile wide. It had class four rapids. It was this raging river. And on the other side of this mile wide river was a land that God had promised to his people. And he said, I want you to have it. I'm going to give it to you. Which left them with a question. Well, how do we get two million people from here to there. And remember we talked about how anytime God wants to do something miraculous when it comes to prayer, it usually involves two parts. It involves God's part, and it involves our part. And in the story of God, what he said was, I'm going to part the Jordan River so that two million people can walk across. He said, but I'm not going to do it until your priests actually go and step into the raging river. And once they step into the water, then I'll part it. Because in almost every miraculous work of God, There's God's part and there's our part. And I challenged us in our fasting and prayer time, what's God's part and what's your part? So two million people crossed over the Jordan River and they got to the first city that they were going to have to conquer called the city of Jericho. And it had these huge walls. And so they marched around the walls of Jericho. Remember, for seven days, once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched for seven times around this wall in complete silence, just engaging with God in prayer over and over and over again. And we talked about the reality that sometimes God answers prayers like this. So we called those microwave prayers. Sometimes he microwaves those prayers, he answers them, and that's great. But sometimes it takes longer for God to answer prayers. Sometimes God likes to slow cook those bad boys. Sometimes we said he likes to crock pot our prayers. So we talked about the benefits of crockpotting our prayers last week, of just marinating in it, engaging with God, not seeing this as a downside when God doesn't answer like a microwave, but smelling the flavors, remember, of, of a crockpot prayer. And then when we opened it up, oh boy, that's, that's a good answer to prayer. And so I encouraged you last week, and I'll encourage you today, if your fast ends on Saturday, but you don't feel like God's done with that thing you've been praying about, crockpot that bad boy. Crockpot that bad boy. Don't give up. Don't stop. Okay, you can eat ice cream again, but don't, don't forget about the prayer because sometimes God doesn't answer prayers like this because the whole point is to engage with God. Sometimes he crockpots those prayers. And today what I want to do is I actually want to go back to where we were a few weeks ago, back to the Jordan River. Or if you're, if you're a fan of early 90s rap, you might say, we're going, going, back, back to the Jordan, Jordan that's that's my buddy in the sound booth back there. He's a big fan of hip hop just as I am. So there's a little Biggie for you. Jordan River. Remember that? Is anybody? No. All right. All right. That's okay. We're going to go back to the Jordan River. We're going going back back to the Wow. Well, that's okay. I I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. Back to see what God wants to do, because there's this little, there's this little nuance in the Jordan River. This little thing that if you're not careful, we just pass right by it. Because we think the miracle is, he parts the waters, they go across. But there's this little thing that happens in Joshua chapter 4. And if we miss it, we miss out on one of the key parts of what God calls his people to do so that they will not forget what he's doing so we're going to pick up this story back, back at the Jordan. Jordan. I'm going to say it until you laugh. Uh, in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, where it says this, The whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, and the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua was the leader of the nation at this point, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, because this, this nation of 2 million Israelites was separated into 12 tribes that made up the nation of Israel. So he said, select one man from each of the twelve tribes. Tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, right from where the priests are standing, and carry them with you and put them down in the place where you are staying tonight. So he says to these guys, go back into the river. The water's still parted. It's still piling up on the far side. And the priests are still standing right in the middle. Remember, they've got the, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. They've got that golden box with the Ten Commandments in it that was like the most holy piece of furniture for the Israelite people. And they're holding it right in the middle of the Jordan River. And God says, I want you to have like a world strongman competition. Get the biggest rock you can and pick it up. And I want you to carry it out. And we're going to do something with it tonight. So these 12 guys go in. They, they strongman that thing. And they walk out. And At the bottom of chapter 4, we find out what they do with these 12 stones. It says in verse 19, On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and they camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. So that's just past the Jordan River. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, you can underline that part, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these, what do these rocks mean? Why is there a pile of rocks right here? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry grounds. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan the same thing he had done to the Red Sea 40 years earlier when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. He did it so that all of the people of the earth might know. You can underline that or circle it, put a little emoticon next to it, whatever you got to do to remember. All the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that they might always fear, or that word means like revere, revere the Lord God. So Joshua takes these 12 huge stones and he piles them up, maybe four, five, six feet high, in a big rock mound. Right outside the Jordan River, because the Jordan River was uh, a major source of, of water supply for the neighboring cities. So they walk a little bit away from the Jordan River, because people would be coming to the river to water their flocks, to get water for their cities. And the, ther- the theory is that they'll see this huge pile of river rocks just standing there. And they'll say, Well, why are there rocks that should be in the river? Why are there rocks over here? And he says, and Here's what I want you to do when they ask that question. Did you catch it? He says, I want this generation to remember what I did for you. Put the rocks here so that you don't forget. So that every time you walk by to get water, you remember what I did for you here. He said, "And I want future generations to remember. Put the rocks here so that there's an inheritance, so that the people coming after you will remember what I did for you here. And then thirdly, he says, I want you to leave it here so that all the people of the earth might know what I did here, so that they would remember and not forget. Because Joshua knew that if they don't do something to remember, chances are they're going to forget. Not because they're bad people. Not because they're bad people, but because life just gets busy. And I've been thinking about this idea for us as we wrap up this Greater Than series. What's it going to look like for us to remember? How can we remember to keep engaging with God? Because the truth is, there are a million things screaming for our attention, and prayer, if we're not careful, prayer will slip right off the radar. So what do we need to do? For the Israelites, they built rocks. What do we need to do to help us remember? Because if we don't do something to remember, chances are in a week or two weeks or two months, we're going to forget all that God has done in our community over these past seven weeks. All that God has done in our prayer over these past 40 days. So I want to just give you three tips to help us remember to pray. And the first one is this, If we want to keep remembering to pray, we need to keep our prayer focus clear. Remember, I I said on week one, we, we looked at Jesus going up to two blind men, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they had an answer to that question. They knew what they wanted from God. And I said to you, if Jesus knocked on your door today and said, what do you want me to do for you? Would you have a prayer big enough that it wouldn't embarrass you and it wouldn't make God seem like he was extremely small? Because I said, for most of us, if we're honest, We'd say something like, if it's like our normal prayers, we'd say something like, God, would you bless this food to my body? Make this Big Mac not so much grow here, but grow here, right? That's what we talked about that first week. And and there's nothing wrong with praying for God to bless our meal. Nothing wrong. But that's kind of a microwave prayer. And I challenged us, do we have a bigger vision than that? Do we have a bigger prayer focus than that? And so for the last 40 days, we've been looking at bigger prayer focuses. And, And listen, I just don't want us to go back to limiting God, to blessing our meal, protecting our kids at school, keeping us safe on our drive to work. Those are good things to pray about, but God offers us so much more when it comes to being his kids, engaging with him in prayer. And one of the key ways to keep prayer on the focus, or to keep, keep us praying, is to keep our focus clear. And a great, wes- question, a great question to clarify our focus is this, what am I dreaming about right now? Remember, we talked a lot about dreams in this series. What am I dreaming about right now? Maybe you're dreaming about a healed relationship. The more you think about that relationship, the more you dream about it, the more it'll cause you to pray. Maybe you're dreaming that you can make a difference in your school, at your work, in your neighborhood. What are you dreaming about right now? Because we can take our dreams and turn our dreams into prayers. Maybe, maybe you dream about making a difference somewhere in the world, Maybe like me, you're hearing about Christians being persecuted around the world by groups like ISIS and you think that can't be, that can't be. And you think about it and it tugs at your heart and maybe that's the thing God wants your focus to be on. What are you dreaming about? Turn that dream into a prayer. The best way to ensure that you and I never stop praying is for us to never stop dreaming. to never stop dreaming. Because the bigger the dream, the greater the prayer. Because the the more we dream with God, the more we realize I'm too small to do that thing that I'm dreaming about. I'm too small to make a difference by myself. God, I need you to intervene on my behalf. So keep the focus clear. And a great way to keep the focus clear is just to be asking the question, what am I dreaming about? What am I dreaming about? The second thing is this. We need to create space in our calendar so we can get into a rhythm of prayer. One of the biggest things that will make us forget to engage with God in prayer. is just the urgent nature of life. Like I said, you're you're not bad. I'm not bad. We're just busy. We're just busy. Everything, hundreds of things, thousands of things are screaming at us every day. Give me your attention. Give me your attention. Give me your time. Give me your focus. Give me your resources. They're all saying that they're urgent and they're all saying they're important. They're not all urgent. They're not all important, but everything claims to be urgent. Everything claims to be important. And if we're not careful We will fill up our schedules with the things that are screaming loudest at us, and we'll miss the things that matter the most, like prayer. Because listen, prayer is kind of an intangible. And I said this earlier, if you're like me, you like to conquer the next hill, you like to take new ground, those types of intangibles, they're so hard to remember. But if we don't remember to engage with God in prayer, we'll never be able to do the things in our life that God called us to do. So one of the things that I, I would love for us to look at so that we can remember is, am I overbooking myself? Am I just overbooking myself? Do I have space in my schedule to dream? Do I have space in my schedule to pray? If I came up to you after church and I said, hey, when was the last time you sat down and you just dreamed with God? If your response would be something like, I don't remember the last time I sat down, period, you might be a little overbooked. You might be a little, just, just, just a little, good stick. You might be a little overbooked. And if you and I aren't careful, our schedules will fill up, fill up, fill up, and we won't have any space to remember God in prayer. So I felt like this was so important for me. I told you guys last week that I created that circle out in the dirt parking lot, right? I've got that circle out there about three feet in diameter, and I just go stand out there before I come into the office and I pray for about 10 minutes out there. I just stand there and I pray before I set foot in the office. Even on Sundays, I'm out there. and and I'm praying. And here's why. I had put prayer on my schedule on my calendar for noon every single day, and I realized that for months I was just dismissing it every time it came up. Because by the time it got to noon, I was too busy. I was too behind. I had too many things going on. So I said, the first thing I need to do is I need to pray. So every day I have to drop off my daughter at school, which is one of the privileges of being her dad. I drop her off at school. Then I get over here, and before I set foot in the building, I'm praying. Because I know I need the first 10 minutes for me to be a time of prayer. Do you have that kind of schedule for you? Here's some, here's some ideas. Do you get a lunch break at work? Would you consider taking the first 15 minutes of your lunch break and taking a prayer walk? Just get out of the office and just go pray. Just walk and pray. Enjoy. We live in Sonoma County, for goodness sake. It's gorgeous here like every day. Every day. Even the rain has rainbows. It's ridiculous. It's like heaven on earth. Take your lunch break and prayer, Or maybe you want to keep the radio off on your way to work. And just pray. For some of us, that's 10 minutes to pray right there, 15 minutes. For some of us, you'll be like the holiest person in the world because that's like an hour and a half commute. <laughs> Sucker. Yeah, because you're going, wait. But what a great opportunity to pray. How about this? If you're a stay at home parent, how about the first 15 minutes after your kids go down for a nap? And I say the first 15 minutes because I talked to my wife about this and we both acknowledge that if you don't do it in the first 15 minutes, you're never going to do it. If you think, I'll just check a few emails, I'll just get a little work done. By the time that gets done, the kids are already awake. So what if you said, the first 15 minutes after they go down for a nap, I'm just going to spend that time praying. Or the first 15 minutes after they go to bed, I'm going to spend that time praying. Before we cook dinner, before we do dishes, before we flip on the TV, first 15 minutes, just get it into your schedule. Maybe the first 20 minutes when you wake up, you set the alarm 20 minutes earlier, before the kids get up, and we just start praying. We just start praying before the day starts. I'm telling you, it will change your day. But in order to do that, by the way, if you really want to succeed at it, you kind of got to go to bed on time, okay? And I just want to, I want to pull over to the side of the road for a second and talk about time. Did you know that in the 1850s, the average American slept for nine and a half hours a night? Yeah, some of you are like, sweet. Did you know that by 1950, just a hundred years later, the average American slept eight hours a night? Did you know that today the average American sleeps less than seven hours a night? Less than seven hours a night. And here's what the studies are showing, that Americans wake up feeling tired and discouraged and frustrated, and like they've already failed at their day, before their day even starts. And they have no power for creativity, and they have no space to dream. And listen, if we want if we want to engage with God in prayer, we got to have creativity, we got to have space to dream, and that means we got to go to bed. I have a friend who's part of our community who actually gave himself a bedtime. Isn't that awesome? An adult who gave himself a bedtime because he wanted to be ready for the next day. Most of us think we're adults, I can go to bed whenever I want. You absolutely can. The problem is you're going to hate your life in the morning. So go to bed. Set an alarm to go to bed and then get up energized. Get yourself that 8 hours seven and a half hours, that eight and a half hours. Can I challenge, for some of us, could I challenge you just to try to sleep at least seven hours a night this week? That's a good spiritual practice. Just try to get a little bit of sleep, man. You'll be happier, your marriage will be better, and you'll have more time to pray. Just a little side note. All right, back on to the main thoroughfare. Finally, this. Can I encourage you, if you want to keep prayer at the forefront, give yourself physical reminders to help you engage with God. For the Israelites, it was the rocks. Every time they walked past the rocks as they were going to water their flocks, going to water their herds, every time they went past the flocks, they saw the stones and they remembered what God had done and they remembered God and they remembered to pray. Is there a physical reminder you could do? We do this in other areas. Most of you, if you're married, we wear wedding rings. Why? It's a physical reminder of the commitment we made to our spouse. We have physical reminders all the time. What if we had physical reminders to pray? I want to give us just a few physical reminders that are already in your schedule. It's all created for you. All you got to do is show up. The first, you're doing it right now, church. Church is a great regular physical reminder to engage with God because we come here and we sing truth about God. We hear truth about God. We see God working in people's lives. We have community. Church, man, if it's not on your schedule to be at church every week, it, it should be because it's a good physical reminder to engage with God. Life groups, another great physical reminder to engage with God. It's a midweek check-in to be with friends, um, to, to talk about life, to talk about what God's doing in our life. It's just a natural rhythm because if you're like me, by the time you get to Wednesday, Sunday feels like it was a long time ago and it's not coming for a whole lot longer and we need some, some community around us. And if you're not in a life group, the week after Easter, we're gonna be promoting all of our spring life groups. If you're not in a group, I would really encourage you, join a group. It's just a good regular reminder to engage with God so we don't forget. One of my physical reminders is my prayer circle out in the parking lot. When we pave it, I don't know, I might actually just have them spray paint like a circle so I don't forget. I might just keep going out there. Plus, I think it'd be a great home base for a kickball court out in the parking lot. I've just been thinking about these things. I'm just just spitballing here. Do you have a physical reminder? Maybe there's a chair in your house. And and that's the chair you sit in every day to pray. And every time you walk by that chair, you think, I'm going to engage with God in prayer right here. Maybe it's a prayer walk you do during your lunch break. That's what my dad does. My dad loves to take walks in the evening. It's good exercise, and it just reminds him to pray. He doesn't take uh, an iPod, doesn't take any music. He just walks, and he prays. Maybe it's a walk for you. One of the things that I've been doing for the past few years is I take one day a week, and I fast. I don't eat breakfast or lunch so that by the time I get hungry, which usually it's about one o'clock, my body says, hey, you've been forgetting something today. Um, And it just reminds me when I get hungry to pray. So I have a weekly physical reminder by fasting to engage with God in prayer. And then I just stop. When my tummy gets hungry, I stop and I pray. Maybe you want to try fasting one day a week from breakfast and lunch. Trust me, for the vast majority of us, okay, health issues aside, for the vast majority of us, you're going to be okay if you miss two meals a day. For one day, one day a week. I'm not saying cut out hog and dots forever, just for a day, just for a day. And they'll remind us to pray. And these are just a few ideas. Maybe you want to create a a journal or a notebook or a diary. I almost called it a diary and a journal, but I thought only teenage girls use diaries and journals. So, um, what about a notebook or a Word doc? For those of you manly men, create a Word doc where you just write down your prayers. Here's what it'll do. It'll be a physical reminder of what God's done. You can look back. I've got one in my, on my iPad. It's my, it's my doc, okay? It's not my journal. I'm a man. It's my document. And I, I date my prayers, and then I write them down. And then I can look back and think, oh my gosh, look what God did a year ago. He finally answered that prayer I've been crockpotting for the last year. But the truth is, if I didn't write it down, I guarantee I would have forgot that I ever prayed it a year ago. We've forgotten more answered prayers than we're currently praying right now. And the more we remember the answered prayers, the more courage it'll give us to actually pray for things today. So if you don't have a prayer Word document, create one. Get a journal. Get a notebook. Get a, get a diary, fellas. Get a diary. And write it down. That's one of the manliest things you can do. Get a diary. And those are just a few ideas. But listen, you're smart. You're creative. You have better ideas than me. What could you do so that you don't forget? What could you do? We don't forget because we're bad. We just forget because we're busy. Listen, God's been moving on our behalf over the past 40 days. Imagine if we don't forget to engage with God in prayer, what God can do. Look what He's done in 40 days of our fast. Imagine what He could do in the next 40 weeks. Imagine what He could do in the next five years, in the next 10 years, the next 50 years, if we don't forget to connect with Him in prayer. The stuff that God's doing now is just the tip of the iceberg to what God wants to do in your life. And I just want to encourage us, let's not forget, God can do greater things in us and through us than we could ever imagine as we engage with him in prayer. And here's how we know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Our worship team saying it to us beautifully, that God has done everything for us. That Jesus looked down from heaven and he saw that we had been separated from God because of something the Bible calls sin. Sin. In a working definition of sin, it's just the things that you and I think that we say and that we do that are hurting us, that are hurting the people we love, and that are separating us from God. I don't have to tell you what sin is because it's the thing that you lay in bed and you swore to yourself, I'm never going to do that again, never going to say that again, never going to go there again. And then a week later, a month later, a year later, you're, you're saying it, you're going there, you're doing it, you're looking at it. That's, that's sin, and it's hurting us, and it's separating us from the people we love, and it's separating us from God. And Jesus looked down on this world and he saw the sin that we were committing and he said, that's not okay with me. So Jesus came down to earth and he, he gave his life on a cross. And when he did that, he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven by God. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And we're going to celebrate this next week with a great party on Easter. He rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death and destruction and he freed us from the power of sin. So we don't have to be slaves to it anymore. And here's the thing, if God can do that, if he can conquer death, he can do the things you're asking for in prayer. If he can do that, he can do anything. He can do anything. And the greatest miracle God ever did was God made a way for us to come back to himself. And if you're here today, and this is the first time you've ever heard about God, maybe you're brand new in church, or maybe you were raised in church, but God seems more like an absentee father who sits over there and judges us and waits to to condemn us he seems kind of more like that than like a personal, loving, fully engaged, heavenly father, then I want to tell you that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God who loves you, who gave his life for you, who wants to partner with you in this life and who can transform your life as you walk with him. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to that God, if you've never started a relationship with that God and given your life to him, I want to invite you to do it today. I'm going to pray right now First, I'm going to pray for all of us, that we can remember the things God is doing. But then I'm going to pray for you specifically, if you're ready to start a relationship with God because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. If you're ready to do that, you can repeat that prayer after me. It's just a simple prayer of commitment where you would say, yes, God, I want to walk with you in this life. So let's join together. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. I want to pray for all of us first, and I want to pray for you specifically after that, if you're ready to make that decision. God, as we wrap up, what has been a very fun series over the last seven weeks. As we wrap up the series today, as we wrap up our fast on Saturday, I would ask that you would help us to remember the things that you've done. That you would help us to remember you, that you would help us to remember to engage with you in prayer. Lord, we don't want to be a people who forget. We want to be a people who engage with you every day for the rest of our lives and experience with you the great things that you have for us, for our city, and for the world. So God, would you help us to remember? Would you take this, this teaching, this series, this journey we've been on together, would you cement it into our lives? Would you use it to continue to transform our lives? And then through us, would you use it to, to transform our community and transform this world? As we continue to pray, if you're here and you're ready to make a decision to start following Jesus, to move him from a distant deity out there to a personal heavenly father who partners with you and lives with you, To experience God's forgiveness, you can repeat this prayer after me. Just whisper it where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. And I believe you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And today I say, yes. Yes, I want this life that you're offering. Yes, God, I wanna wanna walk with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.